Amen. Please remain standing for the reading of God's Word. Uh, we will be looking this evening at 1 Samuel chapter 14, uh, verses 1 through 46. Uh, before uh, we begin our sermon, uh, we will read through uh, verse 23. So for now, uh, the reading of God's Word uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 14, verses 1 through 23. One day Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah in the pomegranate cave at Migron. The people who were with him were about 600 men, including Ahijah, the son of Ahitab, Ichabod's father, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord in Shiloh, wearing an ephod. And the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Within the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine garrison, there was a rocky crag on the one side and a rocky crag on the other side. The name of the one was Boses, and the name of the other, Sina. The one crag rose on the north in front of Michmash, and the other on the south in front of Geba. Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. And his armor bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart, do as you wish. Behold, I am with you heart and soul. Then Jonathan said, Behold, we will cross over to the men, and we will show ourselves to them. If they say to us, Wait until we come to you, then we will stand in our place, and we will not go up to them. But if they say, Come up to us, then we will go up. For the Lord has given them into our hand, and this shall be the sign to us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines, And the Philistines said, look, Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden themselves. And the men of the garrison held Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, come up to us and we'll show you a thing. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come up after me, for the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet and his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer killed them after him. And that first strike, which Jonathan and his armor-bearer made, killed about 20 men within, as it were, half a furrow's length and an acre of land. And there was a panic in the camp, in the field, and among all the people. The garrison and even the raiders trembled. The earth quaked, and it became a very great panic. And the watchmen of Saul in Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and behold, the multitude was dispersing here and there. Then Saul said to the people who were with him, Count! And see who has gone from us. And when they had counted, behold, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. So Saul said to Ahijah, bring the ark of God here. For the ark of God went at that time with the people of Israel. Now while Saul was talking to the priest, the tumult in the camp of the Philistines increased more and more. So Saul said to the priest, withdraw your hand. Then Saul and all the people who were with him rallied and went into the battle. And behold, every Philistine sword was against his fellow, and there was very great confusion. 
Now the Hebrews who had been with the Philistines before that time and who had gone up with them into the camp, even they also turned to be with the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, when all the men of Israel, who had hidden themselves in the hill country of Ephraim, heard that the Philistines were fleeing, they too followed hard after them in the battle. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle passed beyond beth Aven. Thus far, the reading of God's word. Let's pray together. Our gracious and most wonderful Father in heaven, it is our desire this evening uh, in your word to taste and see that you are good. Would you give your word success? Would you open our eyes, our ears, our hearts, uh, that we might respond in a way that brings honor and glory to you? We pray these things in the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Someone once made the statement, if clumsy was being a sport, or if uh, being clumsy was a sport, I would be a gold medalist. Well, I can relate to that, not so much necessarily in tripping over my feet, but in tripping over my words. About 18 years ago, uh, Becca, Jace, and I found ourselves at uh, Children's Hospital here in Dallas. Jace had fallen off our bed, and we were concerned that his leg was broken. We had taken him uh, to the hospital, and one of the questions in my mind was, okay, how really bad is this? Uh, How serious uh, potentially is this break? As the attending physician came in uh, to let us uh, know the news that indeed Jace's leg was broken, uh, my question to the attending physician was this. So tell me this now, again, keep in mind, I just want to know how serious is the break? My question to the attending physician was, so if we had not brought him in, would his leg have healed on his own? Well, you could then see the change of look on the attending physician's face. No longer was this merely the case of a child's broken leg. This was now potentially a domestic abuse issue. Uh, Jace was quickly whisked away from us for a battery of tests. Becca was in tears. It was awful. Becca and I now have an agreement that when one of our children has a medical emergency and we are in the presence of a physician, I do not speak. Now, we've seen in 1 Samuel that Saul has uh, shown himself to be a clumsy king for God's people. When we arrive at the passage uh, that we just read earlier, uh, Saul is understandably uh, concerned. Uh, The Philistines are mustered at uh, Michmash. Philistine raiding parties are going out among the people of Israel uh, to loot and to pilfer. Um, The men are getting antsy. They're getting anxious. Uh, Saul's uh, fighting men are beginning to desert him. Uh, Saul, trying to figure out what do I do next, um, really commits a very clumsy error. Now, Saul is supposed to await for the prophet and priest Samuel to arrive uh, at the appointed time at the end of seven days for a sacrifice to be altered. 
uh, the appointed time has come, and Saul or Samuel has not yet arrived. King Saul thinking to himself, uh, I need to increase the morale of my troops. I need to keep these guys on my side. Let me go ahead and offer the sacrifice uh, so that we can move forward. Lo and behold, uh, Samuel enters on the scene. And as Mike Jones read for us last week, we see in 1 Samuel 13, verse 13, the words of the prophet Samuel to King Saul. We read there, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God. Skip down to verse 14. Your kingdom now shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people. Because of Saul's clumsiness, things have now gone from bad to worse for King Saul and for the people. Consider what is happening now. Uh, King Saul's army is now just numbering 600 men. Again, the Philistines are raiding the people of Israel. And we had seen at the end of the message last week that the people are not armed appropriately. As a matter of fact, there are only two weapons available and Saul and Jonathan have them. Maybe you can relate uh, for a moment here with me this evening to the clumsiness of King Saul. Have you ever been clumsy? Maybe in your thoughts, in your words, in your deeds. Uh, Maybe due to a clumsy decision like King Saul, things have, have gone from bad to worse. Maybe it's even caused your confidence to be shot through. Well, thankfully, there is a truth that we can remember from this passage that will be incredibly helpful to us. And it's simply this, that our clumsy efforts do not cancel out the victory of our Savior or the grace of our God. Our clumsy efforts do not cancel out the victory of our Savior or the grace of our God. Now, we're going to see uh, that truth uh, according to three main ideas. We're going to see it once again in Saul's clumsiness in chapter 14. Uh, We're going to see it in a courageous son, and we're going to see it in our compassionate God. Again, let's turn our attention then to 1 Samuel uh, chapter 14 as we see that the clumsiness of King Saul in chapter 13 Uh, continues on into chapter 14. Now, just like we see uh, in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve sin and God is walking in the cool of the day and he is asking the question, Adam, where are you? In a similar way, we can ask at the beginning of 1 Samuel 14, Saul, where are you? Well, as we see in verse 2, Uh, Saul is hiding out in a pomegranate cave at Migron. Now, this is not the first time when Saul is tasked with responsibility and leadership that he is hiding out. Now, what is Saul doing at this point? Maybe possibly he's pacing in this cave, trying to figure out what to do next. He knows he's been clumsy thus far. He knows that his people are under attack What in the world am I supposed to do with this particular moment 
with my leadership, with my responsibility. Now, we will come uh, to the courageous work of his son, Jonathan, in just a moment. But what I want to do is I want to just track the clumsiness of Saul through this passage. Next, if you will, uh, go with me as Saul is hiding out uh, in the cave. Go to the end, if you will, of verse 15. While Saul is hiding out due to Jonathan's courageous act, uh, there is a panic among the Philistine warriors. Even to the point in verse 16, we see that they are running around like chickens with their heads cut off. So what does Saul think to himself to do? Saul, in verse 18, says, bring the ark of God here. This is an opportunity uh, to consult with the Lord. What should we do with this particular situation? Look at then at verse 19. While Saul is talking to the priest, the tumult in the camp of the Philistines increased more and more, right? We get this scene of just chaos So we notice that Saul then bells on the plan of seeking the Lord's counsel, says to the priest, withdraw your hand. We see a king clumsily reacting to just the moment, to quickly changing circumstances. Saul and his army then go out to battle in the midst of this great confusion. Notice, if you will, then going down to verse 24, again, Saul clumsily leading His men, verse 24, the men of Israel had been hard-pressed that day. So Saul laid an oath on the people saying, Cursed be the man who eats food until it is evening, and I am avenged on my enemies. So none of the people had tasted food. Now consider this for just a moment, this military strategy, right? Makes pretty good sense, right? The last thing that we would want the men of an army to do is to be nourished and strengthened by food so that they can take the battle to the enemy, right? That makes perfect sense. Why don't we have our soldiers become hungry and fatigued so that they can't give their best in battle? Obviously, a very clumsy move, even to the point that Jonathan realizes that. Skip ahead to verse 29. Jonathan says, my father has troubled the land. See how my eyes have become bright because I tasted a little bit of honey. How much better if the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies that they found. For now the defeat among the Philistines has not been great. Again, Saul's clumsiness continues. Notice that because of this rash vow on the part of Saul to not have his army eat, once they do have the opportunity to eat, they end up violating the Lord's commands. We see at the end of verse 31 uh, that the people that that belong to Saul and his army, they are very faint. So when they do experience success against the Philistines, notice the end of verse 32, the people ate the livestock that they plundered with the blood in it. They were so incredibly hungry, they're so famished, that they decide that they're going to go ahead and eat the flesh with the blood in it again against the command of God's word. So now, Saul's got a situation on his hand where his decision has brought about the sin of his army, so now he has to fix this clumsy move into verse 33. Uh, Saul does tell his men, you have dealt treacherously, roll a great stone to me here, Uh, Saul will then make sure that the animals are slaughtered appropriately, the blood drained, uh, before they eat them. Now, 
We would think, wow, can Saul's clumsiness continue on? Sadly, yes, it does. Take then a look at verse 36. Saul says to his army, let us go down after the Philistines by night and plunder them until the morning light. Let us not leave a man of them. The people say, well, do whatever seems good to you. But then notice what the priest reminds Saul. Hey, do you think that we might ought to consult the Lord here? Before you're quick to rush into battle, let us draw near to God here. Now, uh, Saul does agree uh, to this plan, and uh, as we skim our eyes through the next several verses, we see a process in place for which Saul consults the Lord, do I go forward into battle? But the Lord doesn't answer. Then there is the process to be able to determine, okay, is there sin in the camp for which the Lord is not answering? It eventually becomes clear that Jonathan has violated this rash oath on the part of Saul, that no man of the army was to eat anything until Saul had avenged himself on his uh, enemies. Notice then in verse 44, when it comes to light that Jonathan has transgressed this clumsy vow, look at what Saul says. God, do so to me and more also. You shall surely die, Jonathan. Well, I cannot imagine as a father saying that to my child. The people recognize in verse 45, okay, this is a clumsy move, Saul. Then the people said to Saul, shall Jonathan die who has worked this great salvation in Israel? Far from it. As the Lord lives, there shall not one hair of his head fall to the ground, for he has worked with God this day. So the people ransomed Jonathan so that he did not die. One clumsy word after another, one clumsy move after another. Once again, uh, I can relate to King Saul uh, in my own experience. Once again, I can relate to King Saul in the clumsiness of my own words. Uh, In addition to the fact that uh, I do not speak uh, in the presence of a medical professional when our children have a medical uh, emergency, Beck and I have also agreed uh, that when it comes to the purchase of a new vehicle, that I'm not to speak in those uh, situations uh, either. Uh, Even to the point that with our last vehicle purchase, I wasn't even allowed to be physically present uh, to begin the haggling process for uh, that particular vehicle. But even more seriously, at times when it comes to the raising of my children in the training and the instruction of the Lord Jesus, I often find myself scratching my head. Am I really setting the right model for my children? When I just gave that instruction, was was that instruction designed to inspire them to love the Lord? Or am I just creating greater frustration, greater anxiety? Uh, Oftentimes, uh, my uh, good wife reminds me that maybe that wasn't the best way to say what you just said to our, our kids. Boy, do I know what it's like to be clumsy. But here, once again, is the great truth. That though we as God's people are often clumsy, there is a courageous son who has done an amazing work for us. Let's go back, if we will, then, that in the midst of Saul's clumsiness, there is a courageous son who acts. Take another look, if you will, at verse 1 of 1 Samuel 14. 
While uh, King Daddy is holed up in the cave, Jonathan, uh, Saul's son, is not willing to just sit around and do nothing. So he says to his armor bearer, to his squire, so to speak, at the end of verse 1, Come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. Now we almost get a sense, do we not, of the question that was asked back in verse 14, or maybe that was prompted in verse 14 of chapter 13. Remember what Samuel says to Saul uh, when Saul violates the will of God. Again, Samuel says in verse 14 of chapter 13, the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. So maybe we ask that question at this point, right? Is this the one? Is this the man after God's own heart that the Lord has sought to be king over his people? Maybe, maybe not. We'll have to wait and see. So what is Jonathan's plan? Again, verse 6. Again, Jonathan tells his armor bearer, let's go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. Maybe the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. Again, verse 9. So here's the strategy. If they say, if the Philistine soldiers at the garrison say to us, wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place, but we'll not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, then we'll go up. For the Lord has given them into our hand. This is the sign that we're looking for. Well, it is the latter that occurs. Uh, Once again, we see in verse 12, uh, the Philistine soldiers at the garrison say, come up to us. We'll show, us, show you a thing. In other words, we'll teach you a lesson. But in verse 14, it is Jonathan and the armor bearer that teach a lesson as 20 men are killed. We will uh, notice later the victory that is granted. But uh, for now, let us think for a moment about this courageous son and his actions on behalf of God's people. Again, maybe we would think to ourselves, okay, maybe this is the one that is the man after the Lord's own heart that will lead God's people in Saul's place. Well, we will find out soon uh, that this is not the one that the Lord has sought. Uh, That one will be David, a lowly shepherd. Uh, Mike Jones uh, was great to remind us last week that ultimately this one that we are looking for is the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, if you will, the promise going all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. That yes, there would be enmity between the people of God and the devil. But it's going to be the offspring of the woman that crushes the head of the devil. Don't we see that displayed in our our New Testaments? That when the Lord Jesus goes in head-to-head combat with the devil in the wilderness, it's the Lord Jesus who crushes the devil's temptations that he brings against him. When the Lord Jesus is presented with a legion of demons, the Lord Jesus sends that legion of demons scurrying into a herd of pigs that goes scurrying down a hill to their death. It's the Lord Jesus who even makes the statement, I have seen Satan fall like lightning. And as we we well know, it is the Lord Jesus in his death and in his resurrection that overcomes sin, death, hell, and the grave for us. 
When we think about the courageous work of the Lord Jesus, determined from eternity past to crush our enemies and to give us victory, it is not only a W in the wind column for today, but due to, to the courageous work of that son, it is a W in the wind column for all of eternity. So, brothers and sisters, though we are often clumsy like King Saul, we experience through a courageous son like Jonathan the compassion of our Father in heaven. Notice, if you will, just one more verse in 1 Samuel 14, the passage that we're looking at this evening. Take another look, if you will, at verse 23. Once again, in the midst of the clumsiness of the appointed leader of God's people, what do we read in verse 23? So the Lord saved Israel that day. King Saul's clumsiness was not going to throw off the victory that God had determined to give his people in this day. There is great news in that. Indeed, our Father in heaven is compassionate towards you and is committed to your salvation. So children, when your parents are clumsy as they seek to raise you in the training and the instruction of the Lord Jesus, do not be anxious. Your heavenly Father is committed to your salvation. He is compassionate towards you. Church members, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, at times, your church officers will be clumsy in the decisions that they make. But do not fear. Our God is compassionate towards you. And he is committed to your salvation. My fellow Americans, your elected representatives will be clumsy. But we do not have to worry because our God is compassionate to you and he is committed to your salvation. Brothers and sisters, when you are clumsy in your spiritual disciplines, when you are clumsy in your reading of God's word, in your prayers, in your giving to others, in your worship with us in this place, don't be worried. Our God is compassionate, and he is committed to your salvation. What a wonderful truth that is, that our clumsy efforts do not cancel out our Savior's victory for us, nor our Father's grace. Now, as we remember that truth together this evening, a couple of Last thoughts I would give you to meditate upon this evening. Again, as we think about that truth, I believe that there is a call to humility for us here. It was Rich Mullins who once sang, We are frail. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We're forged in the fires of human passion, but we're choking on the fumes of our selfish rage. But these are hells and our heavens so few inches apart. We must be awfully small and not as strong as we think we are. 
How often are we like the Apostle Peter? Who in one moment can say to the Lord, we will go or I will go with you to the cross, even if it means my own death. And then a few hours later, deny him tragically in public. Really, when it comes to our efforts to be much on this path of righteousness for the honor and the glory of our God, our efforts are, are often bumbling. But hey, that's okay. Remember what we were reminded of in 1 Peter 5, verse 5, that God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Indeed, it is to our benefit when we own the fact that we're often clumsy in our efforts. But not only is this truth a call to humility, really it's a call to much confidence. Our bumbling efforts do not nullify the grace of God towards us. Our clumsy efforts do not prevent our Savior from carrying to completion the good work that he has started in us. No. Our clumsy efforts do not snatch us from the hand of our Father, from the hand of his Son. We are eternally safe and secure in the victory given through a courageous son and a compassionate father. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you for reminding us of this truth this evening. Father, indeed, we pray that you would continue to work in us by your spirit and your grace, uh, the humility and the confidence that brings honor and glory to you and is a blessing to others. In the name of our Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.